I'm going to begin our service by rereading one more time our scripture that has defined what discipleship is supposed to look like for us. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 2a. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He protected the land, removed its stones, he planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower, and then he carved a wine press in the nearby rocks, and then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes. For the past two months, most of the spring semester, we've discussed these seven actions, these seven verbs of discipleship. Discipleship is putting your faith in action. We've talked about the benefits to us, the things that we don't necessarily just have to do, but that we get to do, and those benefits of receiving God's love, which is verb number one, of protecting God's love and his gifts, of removing anything that might steal God's love from you, of planting by reading the word more and more of God's love, by building your whole life on God's love, by using God's love to bless others, of waiting, of being patient for God's love to do the work it promises to do, to change our lives. To put all of that in just a real simple way, we've talked about for the last several months our responsibility to use what we've been given, which is God's love, to make a difference in our lives and the lives of those around us. Today, we're going to close out this series, the vineyard verbs, the verbs of discipleship, um, by looking at how this verse in Isaiah 5.1 ends. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He protected the land. He removed its stones. He planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower, and then he carved a wine press in the nearby rocks, and then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes, but... The grapes that grew were bitter. The grapes were supposed to be sweet, the fruit of God's work in our lives, the fruit of us doing what we're told by our Father in heaven should be sweet, but the fruit was bitter. Let's define those two words. The word bitter means having a harsh, disagreeably acrid taste or To be bitter is to be hard to bear, grievous, and distressful. Now, the definition of the word sweet, what God's word and his love should produce in us, is having a pleasant taste, like that of sugar or ring pops. To be sweet is to be agreeable and refreshing. So a question for us to consider today as we listen to this closing sermon on the verbs of discipleship is, would you describe the fruit of your faith as sweet or bitter? As we celebrate our graduating class of 2019, I'm going to read you guys an excerpt from an article that came from Time Magazine. And the article is entitled, How Will Your Generation Be Remembered? Coming up with a generational nickname has become somewhat of a pastime for academics, journalists, and marketers. There are so many popular names in the running for this new generation, your generation, including Gen Z, Posts, Plurals, Homelanders, and Founders. 
Each of these names attempts to reflect the dominant aspect of what defines those among us who are roughly 18 years old or younger today. Whether it's their diversity or their dependence on social media or their desire to fix what they see as a society disrupted. This new generation is increasingly aware that they are living in a world that has become drastically disrupted. Facebook and Google have upended the news business. YouTube has disrupted television. Airbnb and Uber have unsettled long-established industries like hotel and taxi services. Poor politics have devastated the public's trust in the government. And the economy is still recovering from the Great Recession, creating a world in which parents have lost jobs, family budgets are tight, and for the first time in a long time, teenagers today are growing up without a safety net, and it is anyone's guess where they will choose to land. Should your generation receive the call to fix their society, uniting to rebuild what has been broken and paving a new way forward to greatness, they will become known as the founders. But should your generation choose instead to fall by the wayside, succumbing to the laziness, ambivalence, and selfishness of your predecessors and deciding simply to go with the flow they will become known as Gen Z. So there's the article. The whole world, you guys, is waiting to see who you will choose to be. Will it be the founders of people defined by loving others as themselves, by seeing problems and doing something about them, or will you be known years from now as Gen Z? Z, a generation like the one before you, which I'm part of, who lived only to please themselves. Now, not surprisingly, this is a decision that we see being made over and over and over in the Bible. In Isaiah chapter 1, which is right before our verbs of discipleship, right before God's solution to, hey, you got a problem, you should do something about it. Isaiah 1 begins... Listen, O heavens, and pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. The children that I raised and cared for have rebelled against me. Even an ox knows its owner, and a donkey recognizes its master's care. But my people don't know me. My people don't recognize me or my care for them. Oh, what a sinful nation they are, loaded down with a burden of guilt. They have become evil people, corrupt children who have rejected the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned their backs on Him. Man, that's some tough stuff right there. God speaking to this generation in the book of Isaiah did he just literally refer to his own children as stubborn donkeys? Um, yeah, yeah, he did. Why? 
because their values, like their value system, their, their whole selves, and their society were broken. And you don't have to look around the world very far to see that we are living in a very similar age. Society and value system broken. And they refused to do anything about it. They saw a problem and said, I'll let somebody else handle it. Now, the first chapter, as well as the first four chapters of the book of Isaiah, describe how God's kids went wrong. They lived only for themselves, they were selfish and lazy. They elected liars and fools who wrote laws that said evil is good and good is evil. And as a result, we see a people who forgot who God really is, who forgot who God created them to be. We see a people who lost their identity, their purpose, and as a consequence, their joy. We see a people who abandoned God's love, God's ways, and God's protection. And they did all of this by just choosing to do only for themselves, to go their own way. What happened as a result of those decisions? Isaiah 1, 5 through 8. Why do you continue to invite punishment, says the Lord? Must you rebel forever? Your head is injured. Your heart is is sick. You are battered from head to foot, covered with bruises, welts, and infected wounds without any soothing ointments or bandages. Your country lies in ruins. Your towns have been burned. Foreigners plunder your fields right before your eyes and destroy everything that they see. Beautiful Jerusalem stands empty like an abandoned watchman's tower in a vineyard. That verse, that promise of what happens when we ignore God and go our own way and only take care of ourselves, it makes me think of us here, now, living in one of the wealthiest nations that's ever existed on planet Earth, in one of the safest communities in the country, at any time in history, and yet thousands of Montgomery County teenagers in the last several years have been so consumed with depression and hopelessness and suicide. Why? When we've got all this stuff, when we've got all these blessings, why is that happening? Because that's what always happens to people who receive blessings from the Lord and only use them to satisfy themselves. It was what happened to the people in Isaiah's age. It's what's happening now. And it's what will happen in the future when you receive blessings from the Lord and we only use them to take care of ourselves. My story. I'll share a little bit of how I've seen this play out personally. Um, I was asked a couple weeks ago to go and speak to the John Cooper graduating class, which will happen on Thursday. And it made me remember some things. Um, just for the fun of it, I'll, I'll say I remember when that school was actually built years and years ago. Um, I was like, a private school in the Woodlands? Why? We have these great public schools. Little did I know. Um, when that school was built, my friends and I used to trespass on the land as it was being constructed. And I'm sure we've analyzed some stuff because that's the kind of people we were. 
Uh, we used to sneak on their fields because they were really nice to play football. And we were very rough on the fields. And so we were always getting chased off of the fields, making fun of the security guy. Not very cool. It also made me remember that same season of my life when I was a graduate, when I was graduating from McCullough High School in 1994. After 13 years from kindergarten to senior high, um, I had studied. I had worked hard, just like you guys. I could not wait to get out of here, to get away from school, to even get away from the woodlands, because I was just thinking about myself and saying, I deserve to have some fun. This has been a long season of hard work in school. And so that's exactly what I did. And I spent the whole summer doing whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, and it really, most of it not good for me. But when summer concluded, I decided, well, I'm just going to keep on going. And so I spent the whole next year, my first year of what should have been college, just having fun. And then I spent the whole next year after that just having fun. Somewhere in there, I got a job as a real estate agent, and I made loads of money. I remember one of my first sales, and this is 20 years ago. I made $6,000 in a day, and I was just like, awesome. I wish I could say I used that money wisely. I did not. I burned through it. And over the next 10 years of only taking care of me, of only worrying about having fun, um, doing all the things that I wanted to do that I thought I deserved, I began noticing something. My thoughts started to grow dark, and my heart started to grow stale. And as I read the scripture this morning, I, I'm thinking my head was injured and my heart was sick. Um, and I realized in a very short amount of time that I had become a workaholic who was only working to have fun. And my fun was alcoholism. So I became a workaholic. I became an alcoholic. And I ended up just like the people in Isaiah, depressed and hopeless and even a little suicidal. Um, one day, 10 years after graduating high school, 10 years of living just for Justin, I decided, man, I can't take this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I cannot live like this just for me anymore. But I had been living that way for so long, for myself for so long, that I didn't know how to stop. I didn't know how to step back from it because I built my whole life on it. But I had remembered hearing once at a church I had recently started going to called Wood's Edge, there's power in the name of Jesus, and you have not because you ask not. And so that's exactly what I did. I asked in the name of Jesus, Jesus, help me. Jesus, heal my head and my heart. And that is exactly what he did the very day that I prayed those things. Now, as we wrap up the school year, I want you to remember some things that you've heard in this room this semester. Our mission statement for 2019, and I don't care if you're graduating this week and moving on, this is true for you for the whole year. Philippians 2, 12 through 13, our student ministry mission statement, friends, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. He is giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And then last semester, 
Last fall, we witnessed God give us that desire by us acknowledging as a student ministry, we're broken people. We're broken and we cannot be made whole without Jesus. And then last January, just a few months ago, not only did we get the desire from him, but we were given the power to do something about it when God declared you in this room, shepherds of fire. That's how he sees you. That's your identity. That's your mission statement. That's your calling. Desire and do God's will because he has made us shepherds of fire. Do you see yourself like that? Can you imagine all the awesomeness that that entails? And then all the semester, He's been telling us what to do. He's given us the power. He's given us the desire. And he's told us what to do. Receive my love. Protect my love. Remove anything that might steal my love from you. Plant more and more of my love by reading the word. Build your life on my love. Use my love to bless others. And wait for my love to change your life. And a question for you again, just between you and the Lord right now. How's that going for you? Have you been working on all of the verbs? Have you been working on even one? I received an interesting prayer request in the offering box just a few weeks back. One of you may have written this, and here's what it said. Can you do a sermon on the danger of being a lukewarm Christian? And it's interesting that they use the word lukewarm because there's a passage in Revelation that talks about how Jesus, to the lukewarm disciple, it's like drinking lukewarm water. It's not either hot nor cold, and he spits it out of his mouth. What do you do with something that's bitter? You spit it out. It's the same thing. So as I thought about this idea of lukewarm Christians and the season that we're in and all the things God's given us the desire and the power to do, I started thinking about my last 11 years as a student pastor at this church. And I'm thinking of specific people as I read you this list. But in the past 11 years as a student pastor at Woods Edge, I have seen students in this room sitting in these chairs just like you guys who have gone on to become pastors, missionaries, doctors, filmmakers, fashion designers, mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, Students like you who took what they learned in here and chose to use it for Jesus. Use it for good. Do something with it. And sadly, in my 11 years as a student pastor, students just like you sitting in the chairs you're sitting in, I have seen go on to become alcoholics, drug addicts, prostitutes, money Counterfeiters, devil worshipers, thieves, straight up in jail right now, felons, students who took what they heard in here and chose to do nothing with it, who left this place and left all of God's good words and instructions and, and loving warnings behind. Why did things go so poorly for some of these people? It's because that's what always happens to people who receive God's blessings and then only use them to satisfy themselves or they don't use them at all. Because God created this world and he created us and one of the principles that he has established in us and in this planet is that actions or 
inactions all have consequences, cause and effect. Now, the consequence of using your powers to love other people, to see a problem and do something about it, the consequences of that, as seen in Galatians 5, are you will be filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the consequences of using what God has given you to be a blessing. The consequences of using your power only to take care of yourself, as I did for 10 years, are sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and all sorts of other sins like these. I'll tell you students firsthand, this is true. These are the consequences of receiving great blessings from God and either not doing anything with them or only using them to satisfy the self. Isaiah 5, hitting back on it, said, God waited for a harvest of sweet grapes, but the grapes that grew were bitter. And then God says, you judge between me and my people, my vineyard, my kids. What more could I have done for them, he said. When I expected sweet grapes, which could simply be said, when I expected obedience, when I expected fruitfulness, when I expected you to be joyful, why did my vineyard give me bitter grapes? Bitterness that God is talking about came from the fact that God gave them the desire to please him as he's given you. It came from the fact that God taught them how to please him, what to do, as he's done for you. But the people refused to use what they learned. And they settled only for pleasing themselves. What do you think? Do you think God was just going to leave it there? Or does he love his kids enough to even when they're like thumbing their nose at him, he's going to still pursue them? That's the good news of this sermon. If that's you, if that's how you're feeling, he's still going to pursue you. Isaiah 5, 5 through 6, here is how God pursues the the rebels amongst us. Let me tell you what I will do to my people, my vineyard, my stubborn son or daughter. I will tear down their hedges and let them be destroyed. I will break down their walls and let wild animals trample through. I will make their life a wild place where the vines are not pruned, the ground is not hoed, a place overgrown with briars and thorns. I will command the clouds to drop no rain on it. I want each of you to just think about your life this semester. Does your life feel sweet and secure? Do you feel bold and confident in your faith? Do you feel fruitful? Do you feel even just loved? Or does your life feel wild and bitter? Do you feel constantly torn down? Do you feel fruitless? Do you feel unloved? When we refuse to do what God says, we step outside of his protection. In our hedges, the things around us to protect us, they're torn down. 
Our walls, the things that are supposed to make us feel secure, are broken through by the enemy. And it makes me think of a connection with the second verb of discipleship, protect. We first start our relationship with the Lord by receiving Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. That's action one. And action two is now we need to protect ourselves. And it's so interesting that when we live in rebellion, the protection is what is removed, not the salvation. You can never lose that. But if you don't do the second verb, protect yourself, change your life, make some decisions and establish healthy boundaries, then wild animals are going to just roll over you and you're going to feel constantly harassed and helpless. It's interesting. God says he's the one that tears down the walls, but I question, did we ever put them up? Did we ever protect what God had given us? Because if we had, I don't think these consequences would be something we'd have to deal with. If your life feels wild and bitter, just know and hear me when I say this again, your salvation is still there. You can never lose that once you confess your faith in Jesus. He's your Savior forever. But if you don't protect yourself, don't be surprised when things don't go well for you, when you literally reap the fruit of what you've sown, wildness, bitterness, sexual immorality, sin having more of a say in your life than your Savior. We must do the things God calls us to do, not because just that we have to, but we get to. Don't you want to be safe? Don't you want to feel secure and bold? That's our wrap-up closing sermon for the Vineyard Initiative. For these verbs of discipleship, these actions God's called us to do, it's just up to you now. Do them and know that if you do, when you do, whether you decide to start afresh today or 10 years from now, but I pray it's today that these things will go better for you immediately. God has told you how to please him. He's given you the desire and the power. Just do it. Esther and company, you guys can take the stage. I got a couple things to say to us as we close. As a father of three, I can tell you with absolute confidence, God never longs to discipline us or correct us or remove protection from us. That is not his go-to response. That is not his first impulse. He wants to bless us, but we have to do our part. God's desire for you, for this generation, is not for you to sit down, check out, and only take care of yourselves, but for you to embrace your identity and your responsibility to just be loved by God, to love God and the people on your left and right, and with all that you are, to make his love known to anyone, to everyone that you cross paths with. Jeremiah 29, 12 says, when you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I will listen. When you come looking for me, you will find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me, when you want it more than anything else, I will make sure that you aren't disappointed. I charge you as your friend not to blame God 
if things aren't going great in your life as a result of not doing what he said. I charge you as your pastor to just take up the mantle of, I'm God's kid and I have a responsibility to him, to myself, to others, to take the blessings that I've been given and to use them to bless other people. And you will see immediate change, healthy heart, healthy mind. I have a couple things for us to pray about as we close. If you would grab your prayer tags and your pen. I have three questions for you, three prayers for you that I will speak to you and you can pray in your own words. And the first one is this. Today, maybe the best thing for you to do is just write out, Jesus, thank you for blessing me. Do you understand what a blessing it is to live where we live, when we live? Do you understand what a blessing it is that you get to come to church, that you get to hear the word of God, and that we don't have to worry about any authorities kicking in the door and taking us to jail or killing us on the spot? What a blessing we've been given. If there's anything good in your life today, would you just write out to the Lord, thank you for blessing me with dot, dot, dot. Feel free to continue writing, but the second question, the second statement, Jesus, thank you for showing me the right way to go. Or maybe for you this morning, Jesus, show me the right way to go. If there's a particular sin in your life that's pushing you around and you're sick and tired of it, just ask, Lord, show me how to protect myself. I acknowledge that it was my rebellion. It was me doing the thing I knew I shouldn't. That's why I don't feel safe here. That's why I don't feel like I have any control. So please, give me back control. How can I stop this behavior? And even now, he might be lighting you up with ideas of an accountability partner or confession repentance or getting rid of something, throwing it away so you never do it again. Jesus Thank you for showing us the right way to go. And Jesus, show us the right way to go. And the last thing that maybe you will feel led to write out to the Lord this morning, Jesus, would you help me use what I have been given? To use the blessings you've given me, to use the knowledge you've given me, to make a difference in other people, to make a difference in my city, in my country, to make a difference in this generation that so desperately needs men and women, like those of you in this room, to stand up and do something for the Lord. I'm gonna pray for us and we can respond to what we've heard today by bringing our tithes, our offerings, our prayers, and dropping them off up front by participating in communion and acknowledging, I can't do any of this without you, Jesus, but thank you, God, you shed your blood. You allowed your body to be broken so that I can. I've got all that I need. And then we can sing. 
We can sing even if we don't feel like it and just proclaim, thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, you've given us the desire. You've given us the power. You've told us what to do. On our own, we can't. But thank you, God, we are not on our own. We have you, Jesus. We have each other. We've got spirit inside of us that gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Help us use those things well today, this summer, next year. We don't want to become the generation known as the last letter of the alphabet. We want to become the generation known as a people that rose up and said, enough. Let's get back to the Lord. Let's get back to love. Help us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.